your copy of God's Word, you can be finding the book of Psalms, and we'll be there in just a moment or two. A lot of people don't like to think. Did you know that? A lot of people don't like to think. Uh, it was Henry Ford who said, thinking is the hardest work there is, and that's probably the reason that so few engage in it. Now, I know you came today for the music and the meal mostly, and not so much the message, but I'm going to challenge you in the next few minutes to think with me, to think with me. I want you to think about thinking. Think about thinking. Will you do it? This means yes. This means no. This means I didn't get enough sleep last night. I want you to think with me today about thinking. Robert J. Morgan said that each of us owns a jewel far more valuable than any displayed in the window of Cartier's or Tiffany's. It's a three-pound blob of gray pulp that resembles a rotting cauliflower. Unimpressed? Well, this jewel is the most incredible creation in all of God's universe. It's a fabulous, living supercomputer with unfathomable circuitry and unimaginable, unimaginable complexity. And I'm talking about, as you've probably already figured out, the human mind. A collection of billions of neurons, each as complex as a small computer. Imagine having a hundred billion computers inside of your skull. And by the way, each of these neurons consists of central nerve cell core attached to a long tail with several thousand wispy dendrites. Now remember, we're thinking today, so stay with me. These dendrites, they reach out to make contact with other dendrites, and the number of the connection between these dendrites is perhaps one quadrillion in every human brain. In fact, according to one writer... The number of connections within one human brain rivals the number of stars and galaxies in all of the universe, and it resides right inside of your skull. And that's not all. You see, each of these connection points itself, they're a marvel of complexity. The dendrites don't actually touch each other. No, 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 no. They efficiently and rapidly pass messages to each other through a form of electrical and chemical impulses and a series of processes that takes less than one thousandth of a second. All of this is so complex, said one scientist, that the brain cannot even begin to comprehend its own complexity. What a jewel that God gave each of us when He gave us our minds. The ability to and think about all the mind does for the body, but the ability to think is a marvelous gift indeed. But sad to say, so many of us, we don't really use the gift. But I want us to enjoy that precious gift for a few minutes this morning. And I want you to think with me. And I want you to consider this question, and don't answer out loud, but in your own mind as you think about it, I want you to consider this question, what do you think about when you're free to think about whatever you want to think about? Now, already some of you are thinking. So let me slow down and say it again. What do you think about when you're free to think about whatever you want to think about? When there are no demands and there's nobody else 
talking to you and you're just there on your own and you have a few minutes and you can think about whatever you want to think about. Well, what do you think about? Banana food. <laughs> we brought my mama's banana pudding today. But not hers, but her, you know, her recipe. Well, there you go. My very first thing on the list was some people think about food. Uh, teenagers, they spend a lot of time thinking about that boy they like or that girl they like. In fact, some of them are going, huh, what, huh? Others, they spend their time thinking about their favorite sports team. Some today are thinking about getting out on the lake or out on the fishing boat, and they're thinking about it. Some, they fill their minds with loved ones. They fill their minds with family members and friends. And still others, when they're free to think about whatever they want to think about, they fill their minds with worries and fears and sorrows and regret. And then there are a few. And I think very few. That when they're free to think about whatever they want to think about, there are a few who think about God and His goodness. If I were to bring you up on the platform today and I were to ask you that question, what would your honest answer be? It would be a very interesting thing, wouldn't it? It would be interesting to us if it wasn't us on the stage. But what would you answer today? What are you thinking about. But even more interesting, let me take it a step further. Suppose we could ask God what He's thinking about. What does God think about? Now, you know God thinks, right? He's the one that gave you that supercomputer that's residing in your skull right now. And in fact, God is so much greater than we can ever imagine. And If we were to ask Him that question and He were to give us an answer, we couldn't possibly contain or comprehend what He was telling us. Why? Because God doesn't process and think piecemeal like us. He knows everything all at once, all at the same time. And He's so marvelously wise, we couldn't even imagine to process what He were to say. If we were allowed to ask Him, Lord, what are you thinking about? Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. By the way, we have a collection of the thoughts of God. And if you're a new believer, you may be just starting out, you begin to read this, and it can be overwhelming. But can I just tell you, it it doesn't always get better. Because when you begin to spend time in the Word, you begin to consider God's thoughts. What I found is the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. How much more there is left to know. And you can't dive to the depths. You cannot exhaust this book. So we can't comprehend it all. But the good thing is God has given us a mind. God has given us a brain. And we can kind of go at it piecemeal. And that's how we grow and learn. And so I want you... To look at something that God thinks about today with me. And you'll find it in Psalm chapter 40. If you have your Bible. If not, you can just listen and I'll put them on the screen as well. But child of God, I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to understand something today. God thinks about you. God thinks about you. In Psalm 40, the very last verse, verse 17 And this verse has blessed me so much this past week. 
It says, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. By the way, can I just tell you, not only does God think about you, but God thinks about you a lot. Are you still in Psalm 40? Back up to verse 5. Notice what it says in verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us. The things you're thinking toward us, your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. This brings us back to our text, Psalm 40, verse 17. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. I want you to think about that phrase for a second. The Lord thinks upon me. In fact, I want you to say it out loud. It's on the screen if you need to read the words. Let's say it out loud together. Would you do it with me? The Lord thinks upon me. Let's say it again. The Lord thinks upon me. Now think about that for a second. The Lord thinks about you. The Lord, not just another person, not just a family member or loved one, the Lord of glory, the sovereign of the universe, thinks upon you. And by the way, not just as a part of a group, You see, Psalm 40 is a psalm of David. And when David is writing, he's talking about himself in verse 17. He's saying basically, Lord, you think upon David. And every child of God can say the same thing. You can put your name in the blank. The Lord thinks upon and your name can go right there. But I know in a group this size, there might be someone who say, well, preacher, I know you're talking to children of God, but the truth of the matter is, I don't know God. Does God think of me? Well, yes, dear one, he does think of you. And he's thought of you. There's a sense where no one is outside the realm of God's thoughts because God is all-knowing and God is all-present. And so there is a sense where everybody is known of God and God thinks about them. But we can get a little more personal today. And I'm talking to you if you don't know God. If you don't know Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that God has thought of you and God thinks of you. In fact, He thought of you in creation. So He's the one that gave you life. He's the one that gave you that supercomputer we talked about a moment ago. He's the one that gave you that body that you're residing in today. He's the one that fashioned you and shaped you and He's the one that gave you life. And so He's the one today that's keeping your heart functioning and your lungs working. And He's thought of you and He thinks of you in that regard. Furthermore, you've been thought about when it comes to God's common grace to mankind. You see, He's the one who allowed those crops to grow 
they grew in his dirt. They were watered by his water. They were, um, they were uh, blooming in his sunshine. And uh, God remembered you in his common grace. Now the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so God has remembered you in his common grace. And he's thought of you. He knows you. And then, can I just tell you this? Yet yeah, you that you don't know God, he thought upon you on the cross. You see, the Bible says that, oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says all of us have messed up, all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and our sin separates us from a holy God. But God loves us so much, He was not willing to leave us in that sad, sorry, pitiful condition. He says, here's what I'm going to do. Because this sin must be dealt with, I'm going to send my Son, the Lord Jesus. And God stepped out of the portals of heaven and robed Himself in flesh and became a man among men. The perfect God-man, perfect God, perfect man joined together forever. And He walked upon this earth. And He lived a life without sin. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. But there came a day where He voluntarily gave His life on a cross and shed His precious blood and died for you and died for me. He thought about you. So I was walking this morning. I was almost overwhelmed by that thought that while Jesus was on the cross. He thought of me. I'm doing this for Rodney. I'm doing this for you. You may have never given much thought to God, but He's given much thought to you. And friend, if you're here today and you say, I don't know God, I want to encourage you to get to know Him. And that begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone. I want to encourage you to give your heart, your life to Jesus Christ today. Now, for my brother and sister in Christ, let's think a little bit more about God's thoughts toward us. And how God thinks. And by the way, we can only scratch the surface today. We've already learned that so far. But all that I said concerning God's thoughts toward those who don't know Him apply to us too. He thought of us in creation. He thought of us in common grace to mankind before we came to faith in Christ. And of course, He thought upon us on the cross. And we have repented of our sin and placed our faith in Christ But I want you to look at the text again where it says there that he thinks upon us. It's not just a passing thought. It's not just, oh, I thought about that. Kind of like that uh, thing you needed from the store and you're out driving and, well, I thought about it by the time you get to the store, you've forgotten it. That's not the idea at all. When it says there that he thinks upon us, it has the idea in the original that he, he weighs it out. He carefully thinks about us. And so what does he think about us? Well, the passage says here, he realizes our great need. It says here, we are poor and needy. And by the way, don't look at your bank account. 
we are poor and needy in so many ways. It may be your bank account, you're poor and needy too. But ultimately, I don't care how much money in the bank, when it comes right down to it, we are poor and needy. We need Jesus. We need His help. We need His grace. We need His strength. We need His enablement. And He knows we're poor and needy. And furthermore, He realizes that He is our helper and our deliverer. Why? Because we're poor and needy. The arm of flesh fails us. And He thinks about us. And so I want you to think about God's thoughts toward you, child of God. But what does He think about? Well, I want you to know this, that His thoughts toward you are for good and not for evil. We see the heart of God when it comes to His thoughts toward us. If you notice Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. His thoughts toward us are good. We see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so no matter what's going on, God is thinking good thoughts toward us. And even we mess up and fail, and other people fail us, and we sin, and we live in a sin-cursed fallen world, and everything goes wrong. God thinks about us as, listen, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to weave it, and I'm going to fashion it, and I'm going to make it where it comes out good. For you. You see, God thinks about us because He loves us. That's why He thinks about us. Listen, you can't help but to think about those you love. If you truly love them, you're going to think about it. They might be out of your sight, but they're not out of your mind and your heart. And so there's not a day goes by I don't think about my family, my, my wife, and my children. And even if I'm away, my thoughts, they they, they just drift, don't they? When it comes to your loved ones, those you love, it's just like a a flow of water that's just kind of continually flowed and kind of etched out that stream. And your thoughts flow toward them. And you think about them. But it gets even better. Because the reality is, we can think good thoughts of others But we are limited. We're poor and needy. Let's say your child or grandchild's on the road and they're traveling on a trip and they're 300 miles from you and uh, they get a flat tire. What can you do for them? Well, they can call you on the phone. Say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, got a flat tire. And uh, you can talk to them. You can pray for them. You can give them instructions to how to change a flat tire. You could even pay for a repair truck to come and tow them in or fix that tire. But the truth of the matter is you cannot be there that moment and really do anything for them. Physically speaking, literally speaking. Now listen. Listen. This is where it gets exciting. You see, our God is thinking about us, but He's not poor and needy. And He's not limited by time or space. He's not limited in any way. He can help us and He can deliver us. And beloved, He's present with us all the time. He knows everything and He has all power. And He's thinking about us. And what I love about this passage 
As I noticed that David was not shy in asking for help. Did you notice that? Did you notice how he closes out verse 17, this Psalm 40? Did you notice the closing words? Do not delay, oh my God. Be honest, you ever prayed that prayer? Maybe not those words. Been in a desperate situation. Like, God, I need relief, I need help, I need deliverance, I need healing. Do not delay. Please, hurry, God. And David here, he says, I'm poor and I'm needy. The Lord's thinking about me. I need help. I need deliverance. You're my help, my, my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Now, realizing that he has us on his heart and mind today, isn't that an encouragement to know that God's thinking about you and God's thoughts are on you and He knows all about you and He loves you? And so I want to say to you today, if He's thinking about you and He's got you on His heart and mind, then why do you continue to bear that burden that's weighing you down? Why don't you take that burden to Him like David does here, and say, Lord, I'm poor and needy. And I know you think about me. And you know everything about me. Lord, I need your help. I need your deliverance. Please don't delay. Please, please help me. Psalm 55, 22 says it this way. Cast your burden on the Lord. And he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Back in the 1800s, there was a pastor by the name of Elisha A. Hoffman. And pastor Hoffman was out one day and he was visiting the destitute in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. While he was out that day visiting, he met a woman who had a depression that seemed beyond cure. Now, I don't know what kind of experience you've had with depression. I don't know if you've ever been depressed yourself or you've had a loved one that's depressed or you've observed someone who has depression. But if you've ever experienced yourself or you've had someone in your family or close circle that has, you realize what a debilitating thing depression really can be. I know early, in the early years of my ministry, I really had bouts of depression. This poor lady, she is depressed to the point where it seems no one can help and nothing helps. And she opened up her heart to this Pastor Hoffman and she's pouring out her heart and she's pouring out her pent-up sorrows and she's wringing her hands before him. And if you've ever seen somebody like that, she's wringing her hands and she says, what shall I do? Oh, what shall I do? Desperate. In bondage and shackles to this depression. What shall I do? And Hoffman knew what she should do. You see, because he had learned the lesson himself. And he looked at this poor, depressed woman and he said these words to her. He said, you cannot do better than to take all your sorrows to Jesus. You must tell Jesus. You must tell Jesus. 
And you know what happened to that poor, depressed lady? All of a sudden, her face, it lit up. And she said, yes. Yes. That's it. I must tell Jesus. Well, Pastor Hoffman, he turns toward home. And um, those words were echoing in his mind. And he got home and he took out a pen and some paper. And he began writing these words. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. He has you on His heart and on His mind this very moment. I am poor and needy. But here's the turning point. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. That makes all the difference. That changes everything. You, Lord, are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh, my God. Why don't you today tell Jesus? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Thank you for being so attentive. Before I pray and before we move to an invitational song, what is the Spirit of God saying to you right now? Do you know this Jesus that I'm talking about? Has there ever been a time in your life where you recognized your need and turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ? If not, why not today? In a moment when we sing, I'll be down front. We would love to help you put you with someone who would share the gospel and help you to understand and lead you to Jesus. And then, before we pray, let me say this to my brothers and sisters. Have you really thought with me today about this truth that the Lord's thinking about you? Do you really believe that? Then, if so, maybe you need to come during the invitation today and just kneel at this altar and 
say, I must tell Jesus. And give that burden to him. You know, as the fellows were singing in the 10 o'clock service, there's one phrase they sang from an old song that we a lot of us know. But it just spoke to my heart this morning. And it said, look, says this, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Why? Because we don't take everything to God in prayer. You can have a peace that passes all understanding today, but you've got to tell Jesus. Father, I can do no more. I've delivered your word today. I pray that you'll take it and use it. We give you glory in advance for whatever you're going to do in these next few moments. You alone are worthy. I pray your Holy Spirit could speak to hearts, save the lost, encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us all to be obedient to you. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the good thoughts you've had upon us all of our life. Thank you for the good thoughts today. Now, Lord, I pray your will be done in this time together as we sing this closing song and as the altar is open. May folks come. May they do business with you. And may you be glorified in this place. We love you and praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, number 96, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The altar is open. We invite you to come as we sing. If we can help you, please let me know. I'll be at the front. You can come and pray on your own. Let's stand together. 96, Great is Thy Faithfulness.